This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamic specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are already in this business that want to continue to excel at a high level. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, Our guest this week, I'm really excited about this individual as he has a lot of really cool stories to share about his life and career journey. This individual is a veteran of the United States Navy, and after that, he started his career as an intern and worked himself all the way up in the same organization as now the Chief Revenue Officer of the Charlotte Hornets, Jacob Gallagher. Jacob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's it's an honor to be a part of it. Jacob, you know, thank you again, and first and foremost, thank you for your service with the United States Navy. You know, you grew up in Tennessee, then you decided to join the Navy. Throughout your time there, you were stationed really kind of all over, Pensacola, San Diego, Jacksonville, D.C. You even achieved the rank of Petty Officer Third Class. You know, going back to that, what made you decide to enlist? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a good question. I look back at it now. Um, seems like such a long time ago. Uh, my two older brothers were, were in the Navy, and I always looked up and, and respected both of those guys. Um, so it, it really planted a seed early on for me. Um, and then as I got closer to, to graduating high school, I kind of knew that, hey, this was something I wanted to do. I wanted to serve. Um, it, it was a calling that I felt like I needed to do. You know, it wasn't necessarily something that I had to do. Um, but it was something that I, that I wanted to do. And, you know, I believe in and respect the purpose and the mission of the military. Um, so for me, it was really an easy decision to, you know, go in and, and sign the papers and enlist in, into the Navy. You know, it wasn't – I thought my parents really wanted me to go to college right off, but they, they got it and understood it. Um, for me, and it was just something bigger – that I wanted to to really give back and, and serve my country. Yeah. No. Well, thanks again. And you know, I actually read a book called It's Your Ship, and I'm not sure if you read it, but it was written by a former commander. And really, the whole premise was manage uh, management techniques from the best damn ship in the Navy. And so, you know, so Jacob, and I'm sure you've learned a ton and went through an amazing experience. You know, throughout that, what stood out the most to you? Yeah, you know, I haven't read the, the book, and there's a, a ton of great books out there um, to read. And, and if you get a chance, I'll shoot some more your way. But um, 
You know, the time in, my, in the military really shaped me, uh, who I am as an individual. Um, I think the values that the military kind of instills in you um, really gives you, gave me a, a purpose and really a North Star that I really took with me the rest of, of my life. And, and I really apply it to everything I do. And, you know, the Navy, they, they got core values and characteristics and that they live by. And, you know, I, I try to apply those every day in my life. And, and that's one major thing that, that I took away, honor, you know, courage and, and commitment. And for me, honor is integrity and doing things at a high level and doing them the right way. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, um, military, you know, civilian life, your job, school, whatever. Like I've always taken this approach that, you know, you really should have honor in what you're doing and integrity. And, and so that's one thing that I've really tried to make sure that I maintain um, you know, courage is another one, I think. And that's not just standing out and, and you know, in, in battle. I think courage has a lot of different faces. And I think to me, it's the main one is just leadership. And, and it's standing up and leading and, and doing what's right all the time. And not just when people are looking or when it suits you. I think it's really you know, owning it and saying, you know, you want to do what's right all the time and what's right for, you know, it could be a ton of different reasons of, of what is right. But I think you, once you figure out what that is, it's really having the courage um, to to make sure that you stand up and, and stand beside that. And then commitment. I think you always need to strive for excellence. Like you're always trying to better yourself every single day. I think, you know, for me, it's always been about how can I get better every day and committing to myself and, and the growth um, that, I, that I want to achieve as an individual. You know, I think a lot of people are um, depend on you and count on you in the military, and you have to do your job and do it at a high level. And if you don't, there, there can be serious consequences. So I think, you know, you really have to – take it seriously and live by those, those commitments and values. You know, I think, I think we could honestly stop this episode of the podcast right now, which is that advice, you know, to your point, honor, courage, commitment, like not only can you apply that to your life, but people in the sports industry can apply that to their every day. And I appreciate the, you know, the definitions that you provided on that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so after four years of duty, you decide to go to East Tennessee state university to study sports management. You know, what went into your decision to, to study sports management? Why did you do that? You know, did you know this, this business existed? Uh, yeah, yes and no. So I had a good buddy of mine that was in at East Tennessee, and um, he was a major there. He was in grad school. Uh, he went through the program, and so I knew a little bit about it. I think – the sports management uh, programs have evolved a lot, even in, I mean, what, that was 14 years ago. They, they've evolved. I mean, I think then it was more around facility management and then some marketing. But for the majority of it, it was really around facility management. So I, I knew a little bit about it, and I got into it and, and really loved it and really loved the marketing side of it more than, than the facility side of it. We really didn't have a, a ton of sales exposure. 
exposure okay. at that point. Um, so it really wasn't until I got in and got my internship that I really learned the ins and outs of the business and how it really operates and runs from a day-to-day standpoint. Yeah, and I, I think, Jacob, I think that's one of the, the cool stories. You know, after graduating, you, you don't hear a ton about people, you know, starting as an intern and working their way up the ranks. And so you start out an intern with the then Charlotte Bobcats, and then you're hired full-time in the sales department, which we'll, which we'll certainly talk to. Um, you know, and then we can certainly take an hour plus going through your journey in Charlotte and all the promotions. But but total story, you've now been in Charlotte 14 years, started out as an intern, and moved your all moved yourself all the way up to the chief revenue officer. So you know, first and foremost, congrats on all of your successes. And you know, to that point, you started as an intern. You were in that facility management kind of degree or part of the the program. What led you down the sales route? Yeah, I mean, I, I got the internship, and that's that's the internship I was given. So, um, and didn't know a ton about it. Um, got into it, and um, really got to learn about. It. I think for anyone wanting to be successful, uh, you have to have that drive and, and want every day. Um, so, I think you know, for me, getting in and learning about the sales process was, was a difficult part because I, I had no sales experience. You know, I was at a high school, went to the Navy and went into it. And I had really great mentors and, and people that were in the organization. You know, I think it's, it's funny to, to listen and you, you know this better than anyone this sports community is such a small community and you know my first boss as as a manager was you know similar people's first boss that you've already spoken to on here so I think learning the sales process for me was was a hard one but really I think where it kind of clicked for me was it was understanding that it was about the people for for sales and getting to know and understanding their wants and desires. And, and really, it's, it's funny because I, you know, I have mentors, direct mentors and indirect mentors that I, I talk to and, and really keep up with. And, and some of them, one of them really said something that really stuck with me. And, and really, like, you can change, you know, the world through sport. And, and that kind of stuck with me at an early on age of, of really trying to figure out, well, what did he mean? And, and I think it's the people that you're able to interact with for, through a sales process. You know, you're able to fill up a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000, you know, building with, with people from, that come from all different walks of life. And for that time and for that moment, you know, everything kind of just goes away and they're, you know, strangers are high-fiving each other, you know, families are creating memories. And, and that's where it flicked for me to, to really was like, I love the sales process and to really dive in and invest my career to go down that route. And I think, you know, absolutely, Jacob. And I think that's something we always talk about is, you know, what's your why? And, and I think a lot of people's why is that is, yeah, you're going to be working a grind. It's going to be working a lot of nights and a lot of weekends and maybe 80 hours. But when it comes to game time and you, you're just probably starting your 11th hour that day, you see the enjoyment. 
you know, and the experience of people around you and, and you made a decision, you know, to, to be in sports and provide that great experience. You know, so, so you had mentioned you didn't have, you know, per se formal training in sales, like looking back growing up, like, did you have any, you know, any early jobs that, that maybe had a, a sales part of it that you're like, you know what, looking back now, you know what, maybe sales was part of my DNA. <laughs> well, I just, I think, you know, you can go back to the old cliche, you're always selling, right? You're always, so I think there's that part of it, you know, growing up, um, I think, you know, I, I came from a very small town, farm town, so grew up as a farmer. So it's, it, I don't think it was the typical sales process, but when you look at, you know, you're always trying to, to get people to buy into thoughts or beliefs or, or ways of doing things, you know, I think you have to sell them on these ideas. And so to where I never had any formal training, I think you're always in sales mode and you're always trying to, um, you know, get your point across, get you, get people to buy into your thoughts and beliefs or, or ideas. So, I mean, I would say that's probably the closest thing I, I could say to it. Yeah, to your point, you're always selling, but, you know, let's be realistic, you know, and I also grew up in a farm town, like, that instills hard work and effort, regardless of which way you slice it, right? Like, you're, you're out baling hay and, you know, picking rocks out of the fields. There, there's a lot of effort and, and hustle, that I think, that goes into that. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, that, the hard work and the effort, you know, I think it's it's crazy. I think we all have the same five characteristics in sports that, that we all kind of build upon or that's been instilled that, that came from a, a certain group of individuals that has spread throughout, you know, the, the league and, and the industry, you know, hard work, work ethic, coachable, passion, positive attitude, like those types of things, you know, I think, yeah, you absolutely had them as uh, growing up an individual. And, you know, I had great parents that, that taught me those as well. But to surround yourself with people in this industry that have that same mindset, I think it just breeds um, and it just amplifies it even more to to where it really brings it out of people to to really make sure to make them successful and, and perform at a high level. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, you know, again, Jacob Gallagher here, Chief Revenue Officer of the Charlotte Hornets. What a great career. Started as an intern, worked yourself up and, you know, quite a few promotions throughout that. So now it's, I got a ton of questions, right? So you've worked in the same organization 14 years. So first and foremost, Jacob, what do you feel like you brought to the table every single day that's helped you get so many promotions in such a short amount of time? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the, you know, it's the drive and the want to be better every day. I think it goes back to something I, I learned in the military and really my parents also instilled it to me. But, you know, I think I always and I continue to try to learn and get better every day. I, I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly listening to podcasts. I'm constantly reading articles and, and books and, and talking to experts in, in the industry and in the field. But, you know, I think it was something that I knew a direction that I wanted to take my career. 
And I knew that I had to, to learn how the business ran as a whole. So as you know, you have to take care of your day-to-day responsibilities. But I really spent a lot of time that I could outside of those day-to-day responsibilities of learning other areas of, of the business and learning how they entwine to, to really reach the overall goals of the organization. And whether that be, you know, marketing or BI or box office or um, strategy or, or finance, whatever that is, I was constantly trying to educate myself and, and really get better from those standpoints every day to where when I was presented opportunities and a seat at the table, um, I was able to, you know, give feedback and impact the conversation in a positive way. And uh, I think that provided me opportunities to, you know, I think it's all relative, right? I think you also have to keep in perspective that timing is, is key. Yep. So, I think being prepared when those opportunities present itself um, was probably a key factor in me being able to continue to um, be promoted within the organization. No, and, and obviously a ton of success. I'm, and I'm always glad when you know I'm having these conversations. And I know it's certainly something I always try to preach is like you've got to be coachable and willing to evolve. And you know, Jacob, you've, you've mentioned you know reading a couple times, like. You know, kind of off the cuff, is there a, a book or a couple books out there that you'd recommend all of our listeners that, hey, these, these are kind of no-brainer books for you? Yeah, I think there's a, a ton, right? I, I like, um, you know, Extreme Ownership is, is a good book. Dichotomy of Leadership, I like Make Your Bed. Those are all three military books. You know, and I, I, I've had a, a ton of, you know, self-help leadership books that we've all passed around. So I think it's really just finding, you know, messages that are going to relate to you and, and really your, your style. And, and we can always get better, but like, it's, you don't want to try to fit a square peg into a round hole. You gotta, you gotta find things that are kind of ingrained in your DNA. Um, and those are the kind of things that I gravitate towards. And I'm glad you say that because that's what I always tell people is like, you know, I love to read as well. But when you read, you don't have to take an entire book and apply it to your day. If you can take just one thing to apply it to your day, you're going to be a better individual and a more elite professional. No, absolutely. And I think there's also, you know, a ton of, it's not just books. There's a ton of articles. And, and you know, I think you, you have to find different areas to to learn and grow. It's all, it's all, not all going to come to you on, you know, on a silver platter in a bundle where someone says, Hey, here's your self help growth package. Like you have to go out and you have to be motivated to go find it yourself. Yep. And that can come in, you know, in several different areas and, and forms. Yeah. So no, certainly that internal motivation. So a lot of great advice there, Jacob. And so you were shortly in your career in Charlotte, you get into leadership. I guess what was the biggest adjustment you had to make from, you know, one day you're sitting next to your peers, the next day now you're their new boss? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think from that standpoint, in that regard, it was a huge adjustment from a peer standpoint. You know, I was always a teammate that was always putting myself out there and making myself available um, to push, you know, my, my peers and my colleagues outside their comfort zones you know, I would stay back and, and role play. I would do bring different perspectives to the conversation. I, w- I, would, I was constantly um, 
trying to, at the time, what I thought was just a good teammate to, to help everybody get better from, from an organization. I think what it naturally did is it kind of separated, you know, it separates you from the pack. And so when I was given that opportunity, um, I was kind of already looked at by my peers as someone that embraced that leadership role. I think the hardest part for me um, was learning how to, to manage so many different personalities. Once you get into that leadership role, you know, I came from the military to where it's like, you know, here's your, your orders, go, go, go do it. You know, people don't work that way in, in outside of the military and, and even in the military now. Um, but so it's learning that what motivates people, nobody's the same. And it's that, that age old, you know, message the group, manage the individual mentality. And, and you got to understand and get to know your people and, and see what pushes them, what motivates them, what, um, what their goals are, what their wants are. And, and I think you have to mold your, your approach around that. And, you know, at the end of the day, any successful system is really dependent on the people in it. And, you know, you, you really have to invest in your people and that takes time and getting to know them. And and I think that was probably the biggest adjustment for me as, as a new leader. Yeah. You went from at the, at the end of the day, if you were in the office 10, 12, 14 hours, it was all about making money for yourself to now, you know, controlling your own day to now helping control everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a much different focus. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. So, well, Jacob, I certainly want to get back into discussing your current role and what that transition has. But before we get too far, I wanted to ask you two things about the Charlotte organization. So, you know, first, which I think very few people have ever done, is in 2014, the Charlotte Bobcats, who you've been working with, decided to transition back to the Charlotte Hornets. So, you know, the year prior, the New Orleans Hornets changed their name to the Pelicans, now free game again. So, at the time, you were the VP of sales. So what were some of those meetings like? How do you feel like you guys were able to, to ultimately capitalize on some of that buzz surrounding the name change and kind of bringing back and immersing into that Charlotte community? No, I think, you know, first I have to say that, you know, a lot of people look at it and, and say it's, it's crazy. It's wild that you've been with one team your entire career. That's just as you as you state, that's not normal. But I think what's unique about my story is like I've been with one team but we have had some unique milestones that we've had to go through we've had you know a team coming back an expansion team with the Bobcats which I wasn't here that first year it was the second year that I came um, to the organization which there was still some of that there you know we had an ownership change and then the the rename which which you talked about so I think it's it's been really unique for me to be a part of all that within one organization. You know, the name change was a was a great process. I think it was one that we had to to look at and the financial commitment that ownership had to invest in what wasn't a small one. So we really had to go through and do our research and, and get the data to show that it made sense to even, you know, make this change name. That process before we even go down that route. Um, but once we got past that and, and, you know, ownership gave the green light and said, hey, this is, 
this makes sense, let's do it. I think that's where the fun stuff started. And I think it's where we really had an opportunity to leverage and, and maximize it. Um, you know, there was already a, a very passionate Hornets fan base in Charlotte. Um, so I think the organization did a great job in leveraging and capitalizing on on certain moments, not only from a sales standpoint, from a brand perspective. You know, the way they rolled out the rebrands um, naturally provided engagement opportunities with the fans and with the city. You know, and I think when you do it that way strategically, it created peak level times of engagement, which ultimately led to sales. So you start out and, and you announce that you're going to apply for the name change. And there's a huge, um, you know, celebration for that. And the fans are, are, are excited. And, and I remember looking back and we had this huge event just around that. And, um, you know, the, we, the, the ticket sales was, just unbelievable. And so it just affirmed, like reassured that we made the right decision that the fans were behind this brand and they loved this, this, this name a lot more than I ever thought it did being, you know, not being from North Carolina. I didn't understand the impact that a name can have on a, on a city. Yeah. And, and I learned it very quickly. But then it rolled into ultimately like um, where the, the name was awarded to us. And we were able to bring back our legends with Dale and Muggsy and Rex and, and really, were, you know, had another celebration. And to see the city and get behind that um, was just unique and, and amazing uh, experience in my career that, that I always remember. Um, and then after that, it was, you know, rolling out the new logo and then rolling and then taking some time and rolling out the, the uniforms. And then, you know, just these pieces in time, um, that you were able to celebrate with an, such an iconic brand that meant so much to the city, you would be able to, to really create these sales campaigns and, the NBA with any sports, you have these peak times where there's these huge interest times with the lottery and the free agency and the draft. This was able to provide us times in between there to where you would see lulls or downtimes in your sales cycle to really maximize it and to be able to sell at a high level all year round, um, which I think ultimately put us in, in a really great position to when we were able to come back as, as a Hornets full time. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really cool story. And obviously very few people get to go through it. So, you know, I, I think a couple of things I took away from that is one, you guys were able to capitalize. I think like anything, I'm sure that was a lot of the ownership's questions is like, all right, if we do this, Jacob, how many seats are we going to sell? How many sponsorships are we going to sell? And so you kind of put your name on the line there a little bit, but also, I'm sure throughout that, and you mentioned earlier, just the amount of exposure you get to some of these other departments and the inner workings of them, I'm sure going through that that logo and brand change, you you, you saw that light, you know, in, in a completely different light. You know, yeah, absolutely. It was a great experience, fun to be a part of. Awesome. Well, well secondly, and, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, so I don't want to, don't be, don't want to beat a dead horse, but 
most of the listeners probably just watched The Last Dance, you know, with your boss and the owner and chairman of the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan. Everyone saw, you know, certainly how intense he was, but also how he continued to motivate others and challenge everyone to really be elite and be the best. And so how does he transition that into what he does in the front office? Yeah, you know, that that was a great docuseries. It was something that I think everybody needed. And, you know, me growing up as, as a sports fan during that time, it was it was great to really see, um, you know, the different sides of it. As a kid, you're watching the basketball, to really, but to also understand now the business side of it. I mean, it was just really well done, and, and they, they did a great job. But, you know, to, to back to your question, he sets the tone, at, you know, at, at a high level and from the top down. I think he's got great leaders that, that run the organization um, that really relay that down. And, you know, my favorite part uh, of that entire docuseries, um, the whole 10 part was the end of episode seven, you know, where he said he wanted to win, but uh, he wanted uh, the team to be a part of that as well. You know, that's how he played the game. And right. that was his mentality. And if you didn't want to play the game that way, don't play. Don't play. And I think for me that that tone that he sets is be the best that you can every single day, no matter what you're doing. And be a good teammate within the organization and the community. And, you know, that's the message that he relays down. And I think you can see that throughout the whole organization. And, you know, he is, he's a, you know, he's a a great individual to work for. He, he cares about the people uh, within the organization. He cares about winning. I mean, he's competitive. Um, So, you know, I I would say, yeah, he sets the tone at at the top and, and you see it throughout the organization. That's awesome. I'm sure uh, such a cool experience. So again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Jacob Gallagher, the Chief Revenue Officer of the Charlotte Hornets. So, so Jacob, I know throughout your career, you know, we talked about a couple of times, you've been in Charlotte for 14 years, but you've had, you know, people knocking on your door left and right. And so as you think about with some of those other opportunities, why did you ultimately end up staying with the organization? Like what went into, you know, consideration as these other opportunities are presenting themselves but, hey, you know what? We've got some good things going here in Charlotte. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a good question. It, and it's probably one that I get the most just because it is rare to, to have, you know, individuals uh, or an individual be from an intern all the way up with, without leaving. Um, you know, for me, it's always been about I want to work for people that I like and, and respect. And that's the first thing that I look for. You know, I think – you always look for good leadership and and people that have a a good direction. Um, I've always been fortunate enough to to have great individuals that I've worked for um, and with, you know, many of them are still mentors and friends of mine that I talk to on a daily basis. Um, So I've been fortunate in, in that aspect that I've had really great people that I like and respect and work for every single day. Um, you know, second, I would say that I've been, have the opportunity to, and been placed in an environment to grow. And I'm not just talking about promotions. Um, I, I'm really talking about like growing personally and professionally, you know, having the, the, the leeway to, to try and, and, to, and ultimately even fail. 
and understand and learn from those failures to grow. Um, I think, you know, for me, everything, everything for me that I worked for was, was really, I had this, this goal that I set for myself in this direction that I want to go. And I wanted to make sure that I stayed on that path. And I've had opportunities that I've explored and, and didn't get. It's not like I, you know, have this, you know, perfect batting average here. Um, but I've had opportunities that I've turned down as well, you know, and I've always looked at it. I've turned down titles and I've turned down money um, because I think ultimately you got to look at yourself and, and say, is this going to put me in a position to reach my ultimate goal? And, and for the long term, not just the short term, it's easy to take a quick, a, a quick buck. But at the end of the day, the, the harder thing to do is to turn down that promotion, that money, to, to keep your, your, your focus on the ultimate goal. And, you know, I think I've been awarded or been provided those opportunities to go look at other opportunities without, you know, repercussion, which I think is, is, is great to say about the organization. But, you know, ultimately I was in a, in a place that, provided me an opportunity to still achieve the goals that I want to achieve. And, you know, this is all, uh, it's all perspective, right? I think everybody leaves and goes and, and everybody has their own stories and the reasons why they might leave. So I think you just have to make the best decision what works for you. You know, my story is not your story. So um, you got to find out what works for you and, and what your, what sacrifices you're willing to make as an individual. Yeah, and it's your path, and I think, you know, and I'll pat you on the back a little bit. Obviously, you know, Jacob, you've done a tremendous job, which is why you get the opportunities. You know, I always tell people, like, you put yourself in a good position, that's when opportunities are going to knock on your door, and then they get to make the decision. You know, you as the individual get to make that decision, and, and I'm glad you hit on it there. You know, a couple of things I've always said is, like, people lead, you know, title, responsibility, and certainly money. Those will follow if you if you surround yourself with the right people. No, absolutely. I think that's the one thing people – you know, sometimes you, you got to put in the work. And, and if you put in the work, everything else will follow. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so you, you've already given a, a lot of advice, so certainly appreciate that. But, you know, if, if there's one big piece of advice, maybe you say, what advice would you give to our listeners regarding to continue to excel an elite level, especially within that same organization? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's two things for me. It's communication and collaboration. Like, I think it's it's key that, you know, in any successful organizations, you're going to have a lot of strong personalities. You know, the successful ones are the ones that can, you know, get people on the same page and, and to follow the that, that North Star, whatever that is, as a team and put aside egos and um, agendas for what's right for the organization. And I think you can only do that by breaking down those barriers and, and really have an open dialogue and, and communicate with each other and, and really bring people in to collaborate, you know, to get the best ideas and not worry about, you know, you didn't come up with this idea or, you know, how's this going to look on my career? Like, you, again, you do the right things and get the organization in the right position and, and the right things will fall in place. 
No, absolutely. So you're talking about the right things fall in place. You, you spend your entire career in the ticketing space, and then a year ago, you get promoted to chief revenue officer to now oversee ticketing, sponsorship, business intelligence. So how has that transition been overseeing multiple verticals of the business? Yeah, it's been exciting and, and challenging, <laughs> uh, to say the least. I think, um, you know, I've always been heavily involved in the in the BI department with business intelligence. I think, you know, ticketing um, was really where the bulk of the, the business intelligence department started from with um, pricing and, and customer uh, surveying and, and stuff. So I think I've, we've got a great BI team that for, you know, the past 10 years I've worked really closely with. So that, that transition was easy because I was so ingrained and in the weeds on, on that side. Right. You know, sponsorship was, was new to me. Um, in, in the sense of, of leading a sponsorship department, I think I've always been have been fortunate enough to have the opportunities to be parts of the conversations to learn from other individuals uh, before me. But, you know, I think everybody saw the, the potential and the opportunities that the sponsorship have. And, you know, we have talented people there now. So I think the transition has been easy. Um, and it's been great to streamline all these entities under under one kind of direction um, because I think it gives everybody opportunities to to talk through and and really not be um, so siloed off to to really understand how they affect the others, which I think was has given me the opportunity to to why I've been successful of, of understanding how these different parts of the business affect these other parts, and and now being able to oversee all of them and tie them together to maximize the revenue opportunities for the organization, um, I I think is ultimately gonna gonna help us strive and, and grow as an organization. Um, you know, I think the challenging part is, you know, I'm in it a year and, and I'm getting, you know, I'm getting to a good, good cadence and, and good, um, process. And then we're throwing this curveball that we all been thrown. Um, so learning to, um, you know, manage that with kind of not knowing the ins and outs and the, the uh, the nuances of the sponsorship department and that type of environment was hard. But I think, again, it goes back to just, you know, applying leadership skills to really, you know, getting the most out of, out of your people. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been exciting. It's been great. I think it's, it's been great for, for the, the departments and, and, and definitely myself as well. Nice. No, congratulations. And you kind of mentioned that it's, we've already talked about being, a, being elite in this business. You need to be willing to evolve, but also to your point, be willing to pivot, uh, you know, and change course at times. And so, you know, throughout your career, Jacob, you've had multiple areas of the business, you now up under your leadership. How do you feel like your leadership style has evolved, you know, over time? Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, that's a good one. Um, I was talking, obviously, about where I started, and, and, you know, I think it evolves every day. I think good leaders are, are able to adapt to the situation and determine what the needs are 
at that moment to get the job done. Um, but I would say one thing that stays consistent through all that is, is the people and understanding your people and what they need in those type of different situations and how to lead them through that um, particular instance, situation, whatever it might be, to ultimately be successful for the individual, for the department, and for the organization. Um, you know, I, I touched on it earlier. I think it's getting to know your people and understanding what pushes them, what drives them, um, and then putting them in the best position to be successful while being able to focus on their areas of weak that they're maybe not as strong in and, and put and be able to focus on those areas of growth for them. So I think it's, it's interesting. Like I don't have a typical management style. I just, you know, I, I think I have several and it depends on who that individual is. I'm trying to lead. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, good. Well, Jacob, this has been been certainly great. A lot of great insight. And so to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Yeah, I guess. Let's see. Uh, all right. So what is your favorite item you have purchased this year? <laughs> you know, I, I wish I would have said I, I, I could have seen the foresight on this. But in January, um, you know, going this year uh, with the new changes, my schedule changed. I was just trying to find new time to to make sure that I was being, you know, taking care of myself, you know, well-rounded. And, and the one thing that seemed to have fallen off was, you know, my my body, keeping my body. So I got a Peloton in January. And I'll tell you what, like, it's been a lifesaver for me over the last you know, 60 days. <laughs> I just say that stock has been rising consistently. So you certainly bought on the, on the right end. Do you have a, a favorite, uh, you know, coach? You yeah, you know, I do. I like, I like Alex. I like Allie. Um, you know, I like Ben. I, I, I go through quite a bit of it. It depends on what mood I'm in. And really, you know, every coach, just like every leader is different, right? They have a different style. So it depends on how I'm feeling that day. And, and really, uh, I pick who I'm going to, what class I'm going to do or what ride I'm going to do based on really, you know, what I'm feeling that day. You know, to your point, no matter what you do in life, and certainly in this business, you know, taking care of yourself, you know, well-being and your health is certainly important. So glad, you, glad you're able to invest in that Peloton. And so next question here, Jacob, you're going to sail around the world. What's the name of your boat? Well, all right. Well, that I think that's probably the easiest question you've asked me all day. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more traditional, so without a doubt, I would name my boat after my wife, uh, Laura. You know, she's an amazing woman, uh, mother. Uh, she's been such a great support for me. Uh, you know, she's really been my ship over the last you know ten years. It's really helped me get where I've been able to to be today, you know, without her support and and being, you know, not just supporting me, um, but being someone that I can, you know, rely on. Like I, I would, I can't say that I'd be where I am today without her. So, nice. you know, definitely would would be the name of my boat. I'm sure you just got some brownie points there. So, <laughs> uh, kudos to that. And, and so, uh, Jacob, you watch reality TV at all? I, I do watch some, yeah, definitely. So, you know, if you think about your life, what reality TV show would you be on? 
Yeah, that's a good one. You know, I've always wanted to be on The Amazing Race. Okay. Um, I tried and tried to get my little brother to audition with me because <laughs> I just thought, you know, it, I love to travel and I'm I'm very competitive. And I just thought that it would be a cool, unique story that me and my brother would have um, to, to do this. And I could never talk him into it. So I didn't ever get around to it, but yeah, if I, if I could be on one, I would love to be on the amazing race. All right. Well, you're in sales. You've been in sales your whole career. So I'm looking forward to one day turning it on. I, I'm sure you can sell them on that. So, and finally to close it out, what's that? I'll keep trying. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, that's persistence, right? Sales is persistence. Yeah. <laughs> So to close it out, what are three key takeaways that you would give every listener to ultimately be in your shoes one day? Yeah, no, I think um, it's a good question. I think ultimately, first and foremost, you got to invest in, in yourself. You got to continue to grow. You got to want to grow. Um, you know, I think people are always going to be invested in you and support you. But to, to ultimately be successful, like, you got to look yourself in the mirror every single day and, and ask yourself, did I get better today? And if not, why didn't I get better today? Um, and, and you got to, even if it's a little bit, you got to find ways to, to continue to grow and get better. So, you know, first would be investing in, in yourself. And, and that goes across the board it goes you know emotionally mentally physically educationally like you got to be all in on yourself and believe in yourself um invest and put aside the time and resources to do it um so so that's that's my number one i think you know surround yourself with great people i think you want to be around like-minded individuals that are going to push you outside your comfort zone that are going to help you um, grow, uh, that, that really are going to lift you up, be support systems. Um, so, so really finding and, and surrounding yourself with, with great people would, would be the second one. And, and I think the third one for me is, is, is passion. And it's something that I stole from one of my mentors. And, and I think it's, it's a great way to, to live and, you know, you got to have passion in what you do every day. And, and, he, and he told me one time, I think he stole this himself, he told me. But, you know, when you get out of bed every day, you have to have the passion to get up and sprint to your job every single day. Um, and at nighttime, you take that exact same passion and you sprint home. Um, and so I think with that, like, you've got to have passion in everything you do. In, in your job, in your life, in, in, in home, you got to put that, that, that passion there. So that's, that's my three. Love it. Love it. So, so Jacob, thank you so much. What a great career and life journey you've had. We, we, I certainly really appreciate your time, your expertise, and certainly a pleasure to have you on here. Ah, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Um, and, and, you know, I hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Well, again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. 
of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.